The Athletic. Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End, a podcast about a life following Watford Football Club, brought to you by The Athletic. My name is John and I'm joined after Watford drew for the, only the second time this season, but also the second time against Newcastle. Uh, away, it was 1-1 and I'm joined by Colin. Good afternoon. Happy Watford Day. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it amazing how we can be so positive and happy over a draw? But that's just, I think it's, it's the order of goals and when they happen. We'll, we'll get to it. And of course, Jason's here as well. Yeah, good evening. Because it's been hyped and I'm really using that word properly. I'm not a football fan. You know, this morning on the WhatsApp group, Dave was just going to pull his hair out and Mike was thinking it was all going to go to hell. Everything was going to be terrible. I was excited. I think more than anything, because that's a, that's how I am as a football fan to to see what happens. I'm not, you know, we're not going to lose before the game starts for, for me at least. And we know it's this big important week with this game against Newcastle, probably a game against Burnley, and the game at, at home uh, to against Norwich in six days. It's a it's a big week. I don't. I'm not saying it's season defining, but let's just deal with that first game, shall we, Colin? Claudio's choices. We saw six changes. Two of them fairly obvious in terms of the attack with King and Dennis coming back. Foster in goal. We'll get to him a bit later on. And of course, some new boys as well. All three new signings. All three made their debuts and they started. Where where was Claudio, do you think, before this game? I know where we were and the nerves for some and the not nerves for others, the excitement for me. Where, where do you reckon he was? How was he approaching this game? And what do you think he was saying before the before the kickoff in that changing room? Well, I think he probably was saying all the things he's been saying to the media. One of the things about Claudio, which obviously we see the happy, smiling Italian kind of sort of almost comic figure at times. But we know underneath that there is a bit of steel. There's real competitiveness because you don't have the career he's had unless you're incredibly competitive. You know, when you meet footballers, I mean, they uh, and coaches, they want to win at everything where they're playing tiddlywinks with their kids. God help their kids if they ever get into a game of Uno with um, their, <laughs> their professional father footballer or their professional coach footballer. Cause, so I think we know that underneath that facade is a steely individual with a competitive edge. And I've really enjoyed listening to him over the past couple of weeks because he's been saying, this is a good squad. These are good players. They're not showing it, but these, you know, they're not doing as well as they could be doing. But when I watch training, I see them train. I see how good they are. I see how good they are together. I know what they can achieve. And interestingly, he said it in his post-match interview today. You know, are you happy with the one? He said, no, I'm not happy. I'm not happy because we only played our football for the last 30 minutes. We are better. They are better. They've lost six in a row. They're low on confidence, he was saying. But I know what they can achieve. So I suspect that's kind of what he was saying in the dressing room on the on the plane up to Newcastle, coach, whatever. All week, 
You are better than these results. We need to work together. You need to fight for each other. You need to do all the things that football teams need to do in order to get results, including not trying not to concede a goal, being tougher to break down, which I think we were. And I suspect that was, that was his take. You're better than your results. You're a good squad. You're good players. You're, you're in the middle of your careers, most of them. Um, and come on to the new boys uh, a bit later. But uh, putting them in, bringing Foster back, crucial. Um, just picking fundamentally, I would say at this moment, probably his strongest side, apart from Kiko, who probably is not quite ready to play 90 minutes, although he did come on late in the game. Jason, think about it though. Yeah, Colin's right. I'm sure he's in there being his experienced manager in front of them all and saying, you can do it, guys. But what do you think he actually said to them? Did he say, go out there, keep it tight, don't be fancy, just go and yeah don't don't let them score in that first half because it was i mean I'm, I'm sure to the you know the the neutral uh and listening to for a section of it i had to on, on five live it wasn't a glamorous game at all especially that first half no it was your typical relegation six pointer well that lacked a lot of quality didn't it <laughs> type of type of game there was lots of um giving the ball away both from our point of view from newcastle's point of view and yeah, not much to write home about in the uh, in the quality department, as I say. What would he have said to them? I think you're right. I think he probably would have been keep it tight, keep the crowd quiet, because we know that the Newcastle fans uh, can get on their players' back. We saw that at the final whistle. When the final whistle went, there were boos ringing around St James's Park. They certainly weren't happy with a one-all draw. So Claudio would have known that. He'd have got that onto the players. Less. Let's frustrate them. Let's stop them from making anything happen. We know the quality that they'd have out, out wide with St. Maximum on one side, with Trippier putting crosses into the box on the other side. Cut off the supply if it does come in. Keep it tight in the middle. I think we could see that Chris Wood was tightly marked. So I'm sure it would have been, don't let him get a sniff. Don't let him get off to a good start in his Newcastle career. If you stop them from creating anything, if you stop them from scoring, the crowd will get on their back the players will start to feel that frustration and then we can grow into the game more. Because I really hated the, the game at home to them because they clearly went there with the plan of we're just going to, you know, the debutant referee, I think it was at the time in the Premier League, we're going to target him. That's our game plan. We're going to just make the game mucky and dirty. And I think they definitely they weren't quite that. But like I say, low quality sides, Jason, they had chances. None of them were on were really threatening. They, they always feel worse, don't they, as a football fan, when you're, you're against your team. Like they were at least five, ten <laughs> centimetres closer than they actually really, they really were. Then at half time, we went in. I couldn't really say either way who was better, who was worse. Both worse, really. Again, half time though, Colin. Did did you think he changed it up? Because in that second half, we were the more well after their goal, we were in control of, of that game. Do you think it took at half time? He would have said that, or do you think we only made changes once we went behind? Well, I, I think he would have been pretty angry at half time. I mean, it was clear we tried to play on the counter, and in the first half, where we had very little possession, they threw the kitchen sink at us a little bit. From where I was sitting, they were playing a, a bit like a cross between Bournemouth, plenty of ex Bournemouth players on the pitch as well, by the way, including on our team, but like a cross between Bournemouth and Burnley. That's what it, I mean, and, and if that's your plan to get out of the relegation zone, you know, they, they I think they're going to struggle. Their plan was simply get it onto the right hand side. 
get Trippier to cross it into the box. They must have crossed it into the box in the first half, I don't know, over a dozen times. And our defenders were able to defend well. Even the very biased chap who I was listening to on my laptop, who was saying that Newcastle were all marvellous and Watford looked terrible, he did in the end say they are defending the high ball pretty well, Watford, and we did. So that first half, it looked like containment and hit on the break. And we had a few little nibbles, sort of kind of half breaks where it looked like something might develop and then it didn't. Half time came along and I suspect he was quite cross, Claudio. In only in, in you know, he, and he has got a temper on him, so they say. Because if that was his plan, that's fine. But we did let them come down the sides a great deal. We did let them pump balls into the box. We weren't great at cutting off the supply. But we did that with against Spurs though, didn't we? We let them come at us and we dealt with it. Yeah, we did. And it looked a bit like we were playing Spurs. And I don't mind it when we're playing Spurs or City or Chelsea or something. You sort of think, OK, well, that's that's fair dues. But we're playing a, a team. OK, we're away from home. And I understand that dynamic. And they came out with a lot more energy. They were much more intense in the tackle, in the press. They wanted the ball. They wanted to get ahead in the game. And we stopped them doing that, which is which is to our credit, because it's not something we've been doing all that often in first halves. We've often conceded. So so it was good. I think he probably thought, right, I, I need to put a bit of energy, you know, and a bit of belief, more belief so I expect he just reiterated the message that he's been pumping out to the media and uh, in the second half the goal came and then everything sort of changed and it was partly to do with them I think they scored and you know like all teams they spent five or six minutes trying to get the second goal and then they started to think oh hold on hold on and they started to drop off us a little bit and their intensity dropped partly I guess because they were starting to get uh, tired then I think Sam Maxman went off with a with a knock that he had and he tried to stay on and couldn't and came off and and suddenly it just felt like the tide turned and what's really interesting John is if you look at the stats and I'm not particularly you know mad about stats but in the first half we ended up with about 32% possession by the end of the game we had 48% so you can see what happened in the second half we dominated possession we dominated chances we ended up out shooting them um in in terms of numbers of shots we outdid them on shots on target uh, so we were clearly the dominant side in the second half fortunately we we you know we got the rewards for that Jace, where were the improvements for you do you think it was just just a, a- a thinking forward thing let's just think a bit more attacking or did you see particular players who who stood out I mean the goal from St Maximum was just you know a moment really for for Newcastle they didn't you know do anything else that first half the second half um what else for you that that sort of that 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 period before we scored before we scored that's quite a long time really wasn't it because it was right at the end of the game (laughs) but before you know when when we did score the goal it felt deserved. What was happening in that, that period where we, we deserved it? And just to come back to your point on the, you, you sort of mentioned St Maximum's goal as well. You, you, you're right. I, I talked about the lack of quality in the game. And it, it's one of those where you feel a, a moment could potentially win it. And that nearly did. And, and Gakia, he'll probably be annoyed with himself for his involvement in the goal. Unfortunate because up to that point, I thought Gakia had, had coped well down that side with St Maximan and Joe Linton was sort of playing wide when Newcastle were going forward to support him as well. And it was, yeah, it would have been a tough, tough battle out there for, for Jeremy and he coped pretty well until until the goal. From that point onwards, I think like Colin said, it, it's as much Newcastle as as much us. I thought where we struggled in the first half and where, as Colin said, we struggled for possession was because Newcastle were happy to press as high. Again, as, hap- as has happened in other games, we don't seem to be able to cope with that. We're sort of hurried into making passes that aren't there or we'll just hoof the ball there. There was one point 
in the first half where I think we got a we'd got a free kick. I think we had the opportunity to take it quickly and play it forward. We didn't. We slowed the game down. We ended up going all the way back to Foster and then Foster just launched it back into onto a Newcastle head. And, and it's sort of things like that were, were quite frustrating in the mm, first half. Yeah. Whereas in the second half, as soon as they scored, they're then thinking, oh, we could win this. We've got a chance. They get a bit nervous. They, they start to drop deeper and deeper. And all of a sudden, we've got time on the ball. And we're sort of able to, to look up and pick our passes rather than sort of being hurried into passes. And that kind of played into our hands as well, I think. But we still sort of had that element of, of sort of the counter-attack. There was one particular moment that stood out for me, one of the new guys with, I think it was Kayembe, had picked the ball up. He had space to drive forward that he probably really didn't get in the first half. So he had the opportunity to move forward with the ball and then played a lovely ball into the channel for, for um, Joshua King. He touched, I think it was his second touch, let him down somewhat and sort of took the ball away from him and the... And Dubravka was able to come out and make the save. But it, I think it was just the space afforded to us allowed us to play our football. And it almost sort of comes back to, we sort of talking about when our last win was, was, was the Man United home game, where again we were allowed to play our football. So it's almost like we need the nervousness and sort of confidence missing from the opposition to allow us to then sort of get on top and control the games. And that's probably what happens when you're a team you're the, uh, down near the bottom in the relegation sort of battle. You're not going to be controlling the game and able to play your game unless you're up against someone who is struggling and lacking confidence themselves. So that that was really was it for me. Not maybe a positive for Watford, but negative from the opposition. Comparing those two games, like you just said there, the Man United win and, and today, if we are going to stay up and we're going to get the wins we want, there, there are going to be occasions where a weaker team or a team faltering or you know that, that opportunity to come up when we have to take, take the opportunities when they are there. I think the win so far this season we had, that's exactly what we've done. Today feels a little bit less like, oh, could we have got a little bit more from it? Or is it just a circumstance that we find ourselves in with new players and you know the players at the AFCON and unrest and not really having a, a recent good run of of games to to build upon this squad. But you know there were other opportunities. Sissoko had just the best opportunity. I don't say he should have scored. I'm just saying, Musa, you should have at least got it on target. Um, and like I say, Josh <laughs> King, was, he should have done. He should have scored. I mean, you know, he's a professional World Cup winner, professional footballer. He get, he's put it on a plate for him and he side foots it about three yards wide. I don't know how he did it. He cannot shoot, that man. He just cannot shoot. It's just not in the locker. OK, we're well, definitely not putting him up front then. Uh, the, but we did get the goal. Uh, we got the goal after the uh, Kiko uh, substitution, Colin. Uh, for a Jao Pedro, beautiful sky leap above the Newcastle players to gently touch it down and into the back of the net. At least that's what it felt like, and especially at 86 minutes, it really felt like a, uh, a you know, like I said, it was only a draw, but it was a goal that got us uh, that draw, uh, and it was a, an amazing feeling, a, such a, a, a weight lifted off. Uh, in that moment, but let, let's talk a bit particularly about Jao Pedro. He had a gr- that was a, a beautiful goal that we know he's got, and we know more of them are, are coming, don't we, Cole? 
I think we do. I, I said, I think last week um, that we're seeing, I mean, I love that kid, by the way. And he, and I know a lot of what for fans do. I, I don't know what it is about him. He's, he's charismatic. He, he likes, he likes to tackle. Today, there was a bit of a scuffle and he ran 30 yards to, to put in his, um, his tuppence worth, you know, and protect his mate. I think it was, it was uh, with Dennis, he was getting hassled and they've been a coming together, whatever. And he runs across and starts, you know, giving it the old chin, you know, up in the face of the opposition. So we love all that. But um, it was interesting uh, where I was watching it. They they were saying what good feet he's got and that when he gets in the box, he's very tricky and he's very hard um, to stop. He, he I thought it was it wasn't far off one of his best performances. I think um, he was a bright spark in the first half, one of the few, and and then in the second half he just keeps he just keeps going. And you know for a for a player to to want that. To want that header that much, that shows a lot about his competitive spirit, his determination, his character, his fitness. You know, he's not small. I mean, I th- when I watched uh, shots of him on, uh, in Fluminense, I thought he was, you know, he was he was kind of going to be quite, you know, like a not a Gianfranco Zola, but you know, uh, you know, five foot eight, five foot nine. He turns up, he's six foot two. Um, he's put on, I think he said he put on seven kilogram when he, when we dropped down into the championship because he knew it was going to be more physical. I just think he's becoming one of those slightly sort of iconic cult players that doesn't do it all the time. And let's not forget, he's still very young. But that that moment was a Jao Pedro moment. It was a brilliant cross from Kiko. I mean, it was it was really a very good cross. I think it was Lascelles possibly that he had to get to. He had to get to the ball first. But um, it's interesting when you listen to um, when you listen to people who are not Watford fans. So I was watching after the game. I was watching Sky Sports News, and Merson was saying he was saying what a brilliant goal it was because it looks like a regulation header. Then he just got there first. But he's saying he put his head in there. That was a dangerous place to stick your head. You can get stitches. You could get your skull fractured. We've seen it before. But he doesn't. He, he's going to put his head in there. He's going to get that goal for his team. This is a brilliant, brilliant goal. He really talked it up uh, at the same time as saying how poor he thought Newcastle were, how few shots they had, how Wood didn't really impress him, didn't really have a great debut. But he couldn't stop talking about this Pedro goal, and uh, and I and I sort of thought, God, was it was it really that good? And then you look at it again, and you think, Yeah, I mean, he got up, he got his head in the in, in where it needed to be. You know, some players are not don't want to do that. They think I'm just going to get hurt here. I don't want to get smacked in the head by the keepers. You know, with the keeper punch trying to punch the ball or the defender sort of whacking. <laughs> but he doesn't care. He's that competitive. He wants that ball. He's gonna. There's a bit of Deeney in him. Remember Deeney at Villa going up for a ball that no one else seemed to want to go up for and scored a goal. Um, you know, we've, we we saw Dennis score one against Norwich in, in similar circumstances. It cut inside the defender, got there first, heads it in from another Kiko cross. And so it, 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 we really, really deserved it. I didn't think it was coming. I couldn't see it, really. I thought they were going to see the game out. But then this one moment of real quality from Kiko and real determination from that young lad. And, uh, and yeah, it felt like it felt like a win. I, I kind of thought there was like seven, six, seven minutes to go. I thought we might do a Brentford here. Mm-hmm. I could see us getting oh, into yeah. the box, maybe getting a pen, you know, because they were panicking by that stage, Newcastle. They were looking really like, oh, God, you know, we can't lose this game. Oh, and so um, did Mr. Eddie Howe. He looked like a scared little <laughs> child all of a sudden. He was like, oh my yeah. God, what's happened? What are we doing? He looked he... grey, ashen-faced. Yes, um, he really did. Haunted. All the words <laughs> I've used all week about him. I think he is out of his depth. I don't think he knows how to get a really good performance. They haven't had a really good performance, Newcastle, for a while. 
And, and you know, this whole thing about their fans deserving all, all this chance with all this money and that they're the best fans. Once again, they proved that they're not the best fans in the Premier League. You know, when we got, we, we were being beaten 6-0 in the FA Cup final, the whole of the Watford end waved their flags and sang songs. When Leeds were getting beaten by Manchester City, was it, or Liverpool? They all stood up in uh, Ellen Road and sang Bielsa's name. Uh, but today, you know, they, they, they turned on the team, they booed them at the end. And you think, that that's 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 not good. That's not what you need when when you're in trouble. And I think Watford fans, you know, however anxious we feel, however miserable we feel, uh, sometimes or you know frustrated, I think we still we rarely boo our team. We always seem to to get behind them. And you know, you could hear the Watford fans on the telly. You could hear them singing. Yeah, and it was clear. just great to hear that. You can hear them. They're like they're in another county, obviously, because they're up <laughs> in that top deck. But you know, and and that's that's what we've got to cling on to. And also, it was interesting because again, from an objective position, Merson was saying, "I think Watford will stay up." And they're going, well, it's three from four. You know, it's going to be new. He said, I don't think so. He said, I think Watford are the team that might stay up. They brought these defensive players in. They all had good, um, they had very good games. And they've got this kind of pace and determination up front. He said, to come back when you're in relegation-threatened position against one of your relegation rivals, you're one nil down, it's 86 minutes. To, to have that, to make that effort, to score that goal is a really good sign. He said, I th- and he, th- he thinks we're going to stay up. I'm not sure there's many that do, but it was interesting to hear him say that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. I can already see it, boys, on the WhatsApp group. Mike, the misery guts that he is trying to find the bad in this yeah, positive. Just give, when he said, I told you months ago, we're going to finish 20th. Yeah. I almost wrote, just give it a rest, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> just give it a rest. We're all, we're all being tortured here in front of our laptops. You know, We don't need that. Just stop. He's always at his worst during a game. He's always at his worst during a game. We'll, we'll speak to him at some point and see where, where he's at. But, we, but the big thing, I suppose, out of this, why I think we're not, absolutely humming and, and doing our thing quite yet because we, we had lots of changes we had three six changes today three of those were new boys jason overall you know we 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 were hoping and dreaming of this switch to come on when these new players turn up and it to be perfect of course we know we're adults that doesn't happen how do they do overall for you as a as a as the fact that the three new players and in terms of an impact they made on that squad yeah, I think they did pretty well, all things considered. I, I said last week, didn't I, that I thought it would be Roy the Rovers to expect them all to come in mm. and things to sort of change miraculously. But actually, we weren't that far off, were we? In reality, we got got a point away from home with the three guys in. And like I said, there were six changes in all from the last game. Yeah, I, I think pleased with 
the debuts for all of them. I think if I had to pick one as an early standout, that was Kamara. I thought he did well. Not played any football, I think, since, was it early November? Yeah. Um, I thought he looked, uh, obviously, playing sort of left-back, but looked calm and composed on the ball moving forward as well. Pretty solid defensively. Again, would have had a, had a hard time up against sort of the Trippier Fraser combination down there not just the um, excellent crosses coming in but you know, the um, all the tricks and games that Fraser was going to be playing with his old mucker Eddie Howe looking after him again uh, yeah I was quite pleased with his debut Samir looked pretty solid I think him and Cathcart uh, worked well as a combination obviously the, the, when you're playing as a centre-back you need the pairing to to work well and they seem to work well together particularly looking after Wood I thought they did a good job of handling him all game I think he was sort of closely marked and didn't get much of a sniff throughout it was only sort of right at the end when he got the wrong side of Samir that Samir had to take the yellow card for the team but again that could have been tiredness towards towards the end of the game and Kembe as well I think I'd, I'd mentioned him already um, looked looked effective enough sort of in the first half and then as I say second half seemed to come out more with the ball at his feet and as I say that pass to um, King was, I thought it was a great ball down the channel and we'll have more of that please if you're playing in that number six role that um, has been so dearly missing without loser in the side as Colin has explained very eloquently <laughs> in past Add infinitum, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, <laughs> I'd go further I think I'd go further than Jason John I'd say without those three we wouldn't have won we wouldn't have won that game. Listen to me. We wouldn't have got a point from that game. We'd have lost that game. Do you mean if, because, if we had Messina, Rose and uh, Tufan? Well, if Tufan had played and Kuchka and Sissoko had come further back, which is what we've seen recently, yeah, Rose at left back, obviously no Messina, and then Serralta alongside Cathcart, we would have lost. And, and, and I, I'm well, not Who was the most important one of those, though, out of those Kiembe, three? Without a shadow of a doubt. Because you went all last week, we need a number six, we need a number six. He, well, I know, and I did bang on about it, but he is clearly a number six. Yeah. I mean, he is a defensive midfielder. That is his meat and drink. You could see it in his attitude, the way he plays players, the way he tracks runners, the way he sniffs a little bit of danger here and there. He picked up and intercepted a lot of balls. I don't know the stats on that, but he looked to be busy. He looked to be in control of himself when he got the ball. He kind of saw, you could see that he knew what he was wanted to do with it. He was passing it out to Kamara, and then in, as Jason quite rightly points out in the second half, when he got a bit more space, he's like, "Oh, you're going to give me this much space? Well, I'm going to bring the ball over the halfway line. I'm going to start putting a bit more pressure on you. Another body in your half. What are you going to do about that?" The other thing about the three of them, I think they were all. I mean, Samir is a, is a big lad, and he's clearly not frightened of a scrap. It'll be interesting to see how he does when we play against a team with a kind of like West Ham with Bowen or Kufal, you know, smaller players who are quick, quick feet, getting, getting around you. Today he was faced with one big centre forward. That was it. He didn't really, that was all they had to deal with. They didn't really have anyone else getting into those positions. So I thought he did well and he took a few knocks and, you know, welcome to the Premier League. And Kamara, I agree, again, I agree with Jason. He looked composed. He looks like he knows what he's doing. The other thing, though, about these three players coming in, and, and let's not forget, obviously, Foster came back and that was, for me, absolutely crucial because he, but as, as Bachmann's form has dropped, in my opinion, over the past sort of, I don't know, a few months, you know, when Foster comes in, you just feel more confident. But yeah. the most important thing about those three players is that what they've done is they've come in, they've played their first game together, all of them. We've got the point, And the other players in the squad go, well, I think we've got a chance now, lads. 
It will give the squad so much confidence to have those three players come in and play well. It will also give the three of them confidence that the, that the coach has brought them in and plays them straight away, doesn't stick them on the bench. Well, let's just wait and see, see yeah. how they get on. Yeah. You know, He's put them in, he's put his trust in them, and they've come through very difficult first game in the Premier League for all of them after none of them have played any football for, for weeks. Um, we think that maybe Kamara might have tweaked his hammy, but it might have just been cramp. The other two seem to come through it all right. I can't see them all three playing on Tuesday if that game goes ahead. And then again on Friday, because I think you're just asking for trouble if you do that. But who knows? If they're fit enough, then, then let them play. But I think that, you know, it's interesting. The, people criticise the Potsos a lot, John. And I don't know if you agree with this. They, they say things like, oh, their recruitment isn't as good as, it, as everyone told us it was going to be. We've had a lot of, you know, we've had a lot of bad signings and so on. But what, what, their, what their scouting network can do and, and actually Newcastle is a, is, a, is a good comparison to Watford. It was clear as soon as January the 1st came along that we needed a centre-back, a left-back and a holding midfielder because our left-back and holding midfielder were going off to AFCON, as was one of our centre-backs, although that's a different issue with Truce to Kong. Um, yes, Serralta had come back. We were looking thin in those areas and we were still conceding bucketfuls of goals. So what do they do? By the, by the 4th or 5th of January, they've got, they've got a left-back, a centre-back and a defensive midfielder Kiembe took a bit longer but you know he arrived what a week ago or something like that so that's what they can do the pots is they won't always be successful the players won't always hit the ground running and be good Premier League style players because obviously most of them never have never played in the Premier League when they arrive at Watford we don't very often buy players with Premier League experience you can put Dennis in that put Saar in that department okay King does Gosling does but mostly we buy players who don't have Premier League experience but they got them in Newcastle on the other hand all the money in the world they buy a very good player in Trippier there's no doubt he was he looked like their best player all afternoon but apart from that they've gone and bought a I mean a centre forward who scored three goals this season for a team that's also in real danger so you think what they needed clearly was a striker they needed a centre-back and they haven't filled those and, and a central midfielder and they haven't filled those positions. But Watford needed a centre-back, a left-back and, and they filled them straight away like that. Bang. Within a couple of days. And that is why the Pozzos are doing everything they can to keep us up. It's why they're such good owners. We are a small club. We have a small budget. You know, we, All our money goes on wages. We know that. And we can't compete now with a team like Newcastle we can't spend 30 million quid on a on a player we've got to find players for four five six ten million maybe they've just done really well if these three players stay fit and we stay up hats off chapeau yeah I mean it, it, I think my favorite thing about these is that they all came in and they all performed and they didn't seem like they were yeah they weren't a fish out of water they they, they fitted in and and it, it's it's not which please do not make make it sound like I'm being stupidly you know positive about this. It was a draw, it was great. But you want to make sure this game more than anything for me had to be a stepping stone. And it really feels like it's a stepping stone back to where we need to start being and then the next stepping stone to being what we hope this Watford team team can be. It was interesting thing for me looking at that lineup. Would they play? But then seeing that Samir played, who would play next to him? And Cathcart was definitely picked. I just, you know, I for me it feels like he was picked just to be in that more senior, cooler, calmer head. Suarez is still sort of finding his way a little bit. We have seen some good stuff, but it's not just quite 
there yet for him in the Premier League. So I think it's absolutely right that he made those two choices. Um, and it was fantastic to sort of see those, you know, we mentioned Foster as well, other players that sort of came back into the team. Uh, we mentioned King, we, we touched on Dennis a little bit there, there, Jason. He didn't, it's weird like when a player like him, particularly forwards, I think we do it as football fans a lot, where you think, oh, he didn't have a good game. Well, basically that means he didn't score as much as he scored in a previous game. Or did as much. There was certainly a lack of any, a little bit of a lack of energy from him today, even though he did make some chances. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the, the if you believe what was said in the press, he had to uh, face a late fitness test to, before a decision was made on whether to to pick him today. Um, and there's been a lot of focus, a lot of attention on him. You would imagine that wouldn't have gone gone unnoticed in the Newcastle camp. They were paying him close attention, but he did have his moments where I think there were. First half, there was one where some quick feet got him past two defenders. Um, the when he did get into good positions, a couple of the balls that he put across the box perhaps didn't find their targets or played behind players. Second half went on that run that led to that Sissoko chance that we've already mentioned. For a while, I was thinking he'd he, he could have released, I think it was King going down the left hand side. I thought he could have released him, was worried he kept the ball too long, but actually, then. Sissoko was in the better position so it was the right ball to play so he, 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 I think he got that right had those opportunities come off then we'd probably be saying he had a great game it, it, today yeah perhaps not obviously not his, his best game not a performance he'll be writing home about but nothing to be worried about I don't think at, at this point and uh, I'm sure he'll come good again uh, in future games The cool calm head of, of Ben Foster in goal is welcomed. Thank you. Uh, Kiko, though, Colin, always hard to sort of... We, we have been crit- not critical of him, but being aware of his limitations. You know, he, he came on late on in the game, was able to add that energy at that point. Do you feel, though, do you, do you have a a choice between him and Ngakia, or is it quite interchangeable who, who starts at that, that right back? No, not for me. I don't think it's interchangeable. I think Kiko is a much... Uh, better player than uh, Ngakia at this time in Ngakia's career. I think Kiko has struggles because he runs so much, but he's the one player at the club that can cross a ball with a fair amount of consistency and he does like to get into those advanced positions, which means he's doing a lot of running because he's obviously got to get back and help out um, as as a right back. But for me, I think he has been injured a couple of times this season. Is that right? He came off yeah. um, in a game at home with a hamstring. So he's come back. They're looking after him. They also, if that's right about Dennis, they they substituted Dennis, which caused a bit of a shock on the BT uh, Sport score um, goal program. They were like, why are they taking off their got their best goal scorers? Like, well, if he had a late fitness test, you've got 84 minutes out of him. He didn't have a brilliant game, but, you know, let's not risk him for the last 10 minutes. And um, and they brought on Cucho. So that was a, a surprise. And, and then obviously the other way around was that, yes, Ngakia was a, a bit at fault for the goal. But to be fair, really, it was a brilliant individual effort from Sam Axman. I don't think we can really blame him for no. the goal as such. But, you know, and maybe he, he is young and, in you know, I, I can't remember what happened at at Brentford, we were one nil up, and obviously, you know. So, whether or not he's quite got that mental strength, but so to bring on Kiko after sixty-six minutes is just—it's uh, just wonderful, and it just does inject so much uh, sort of new energy into the team. And actually, they couldn't get to him, and he was able to get that cross in. And uh, earlier in the game, they probably would have got to him and blocked it, but they couldn't because he was just too quick, 
too determined uh, and the cross was a, a perfect one so I, I like to see him if I may and I don't want to um, bring you know the mockers uh, to uh, this this one all draw <laughs> the one player I feel that I just I'm not getting at the moment is Kuchko mm. I, I'm not really sure what his role is He's is not it, a Barami. It, so Valon Barami was a firefighter. He ran and ran and ran and he just shut players down, shut down supply, got tackles in, got booked every game. Sometimes he got sent off. He just he that was his role. And he and there were you know, that was our first season in the Premier League for however many, ten years nearly, nine years. And he came into the team and he did that job and he and alongside Watson and it allowed us to be difficult to play against. But, do you not think it's the fact that Cleverly has been injured? And, and we've got three games in six days. If he is injured, and he, he isn't a, a sprightly, so he, we need to control that injury, control the, the, you know, bringing Cleverly back. Because, like you say, he isn't firing, and he isn't the player that we all hoped he was going to be uh, after that Aston Villa game. He see, yeah, it, it, but Cleverly would be ahead of him, guaranteed guaranteed so it can only be because of injury or coming back from injury why he's starting at the moment yes I suppose that's right now Kiembe's there it seems like maybe Kuchka is, is a is a defensive player you know he is effectively a defensive player he's not really a creative player um, he can get up in the box and, and score a header he's done that once this season so he he is a physical presence and you would have thought in a game like this a dog fight in the bottom three bottom four that that would suit Kuchka and he would he would show his qualities his battling qualities his kind of you know uh, and and try to to get control of that midfield because as Mike says on the WhatsApp group we we haven't controlled a midfield really apart from against Man United maybe against Villa but I can't remember so long ago but um he, today he just didn't hardly heard his name mentioned he didn't seem to to really do anything Sissoko's doing a lot of the heavy lifting in that midfield, I think, and, and doing well, and he, and he is a quality player. Kiembe was, was, was very clear about his job, and he did it well. Protect the back four, recycle the ball, so on. Keep calm. Don't just boot it. But Kuchka just seems like... He just doesn't seem to... I'm not quite sure what he's doing and what he's been told to do and why he's not doing it and what his role is. And I do think that... Maybe you're right. Maybe if Cleverly is 100% fit, but he's never 100% fit, seems to me. He's always got little niggles there is that. that you would start Kiembe, Sissoko and Cleverly. But we need to find options because it's just not... For me personally, and other people will disagree, I'm sure Kuchka just looks like like a piece of the jigsaw, a bit like Tufan has over the past few weeks. You think, what, you, what are you doing? What's your role? What's your job? Why aren't you... You're just not in the game. And, and we can't afford that. We need everyone. We need 11 players on the pitch, all firing if we're going to get out of this mess. To say on, on Kutzka, for me, it always seems like he's he's chasing the game and always trying to catch up. And, and sometimes he, he does well when he then does that chasing, does that harrying, wins a ball back somewhere. But then his passing really has been not at the level it needs to be for a Premier League player. You sort of question, I think Cleverly was involved for the goal, wasn't he? Where he's gone over to help Kiko. I think it was a one-two, played Kiko in and the cross comes in. You then sort of say, one, would Kutzka have been there on the pitch to be involved in that goal? And two, would he have been able to make that pass? And for me, probably the answer is no to both. And I think, again, yeah, that, that's why for me, it's Cleverly over Kutzka in that position. It was a draw. It was just a draw, but it was a step. 
And we've got plenty to hopefully see in the next week as Watford take on Burnley, hopefully, on Tuesday and then Norwich next Friday. It's a long way to go. It might be an important week, but there's a long way to go. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is from the Rookery End. Colin, AFCON is on. Several Watford players there. Uh, of course, we know the two, you've also sort of hinted to them already, Messina and Luza uh, are playing for the uh, Morocco, who have qualified for the next round now. Uh, and today, 3-1 win for uh, Nigeria means they're through also to the next round. Uh, and uh, Trustacon and, of course, Okoye, the goalkeeper. I'm not sure how you say his name, actually. The goalkeeper, yeah. Yeah, the he goalkeeper looks, for Nigeria. He looks, he looks he, good. Yeah, and he's, what, 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 are you, what are you taking from the Watford players you've seen so far in AFCON? Well, the two, the two games I've watched fully was, were the Morocco games because I have, a, as, you, as I know, as everyone knows, I've got quite a long association with Morocco. I lived there with uh, when I was a teenager on and off for two or three years because my mum was working there. And I love Morocco and I, I still go quite regularly. And... Yeah, they're, they're, actually, they're quite a good they're quite a good outfit, and they're one of the favourites. But what's been really interesting, Messina's been doing fine at left back. You know, he's just been playing at left back as he does for us. He's he's reasonably solid. He looks good in that in that tournament. The games are being played at a snail's pace because I think it is really hot, and I think the players, have, even though they're in mid season, they've suddenly all had to fly to Cameroon, and within about three days, they're playing their first match. So it's not been easy because they delayed. Uh, didn't they? They well, certainly the Premier League delayed. They're supposed to go on the twenty seventh, uh, I think, of December, and then yeah. they said, "Oh no, it's okay. They can play the the game on New Year and then go." So they didn't fly out to like the third. They mostly went to their home country and then flew on to Cameroon. So they've had very little preparation. The games haven't been great, but I'm sure the quality will improve as the tournament goes on. The interesting thing for for us as Watford fans is that Imran Loser, instead of playing. Uh, in the famous number six role, um, which he has been seen. That's kind of how we thought he was brought to our club, a defensive midfielder, very good, comfortable on the ball. For Morocco, he's playing where Cleverly plays for us. He's playing ahead of, maybe they've just got a better defensive midfielder than him, I don't know, or more experienced one, because I obviously don't know the intricacies of, of the Moroccan setup. But he is playing in the creative role, in a, in a playmaker role, really, like a number 10. And I watched both games, and in both games he was substituted after about six, 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 70 minutes. But he was really Morocco's most influential player, playing in that forward role. So looking forward, I, and going back to this talk about Kuchka cleverly, maybe with Kiembe bedding in over the next few weeks and, and making that role his own, maybe there will be a role for loser further up the pitch, because he certainly seems capable of playing there. I mean, they were playing the Comoros Islands, so that's not really, it's not really fair to judge him on that because the Comoros Islands is one of the smallest um, teams, you know, one of the lowest ranked teams in the world. So, I mean, they've done amazingly well to get to the tournament and they, but, you know, but he was, he was effective. He was passing well. He was getting into advanced areas. He was helping uh, Buffal, you know, get on the ball, create chances for him and so on. So that's interesting. I, I mean, one thing's for certain, John, I don't think we're going to see any of our boys back anytime soon because it looks like, you know, it could be a Nigeria-Morocco final. Obviously, Cameroon are in there, Senegal, Ghana have got some good players. But 
it's just a great tournament. And I, we were on the WhatsApp group this week, and Mike was going, "I'd love to go to, I'd love to go to that tournament." And I'm thinking, "Yeah, so would I." It's just what I mean: the color, the noise, the singing, um, the kind of, and there's a kind of crazy element to it as well. There was a thing with the referee who got heat stroke and blew the whistle after 85 <laughs> minutes, and then he blew it again on 89 minutes, and they he, they just all went off the pitch, and then they the 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 organizers came in the tunisian manager was giving a press conference they said you've got to go back on the pitch but no i'm not going back on the pitch so they gave the win to mali the malian players had to go out onto the pitch and work for two you know so there's a kind of mad mad element to it which some people are very rude about which i i don't really get i mean i just think you know there's there are issues there oh if they want to be taken seriously why don't why do they run such chaotic tournaments it's just part of I think it's part of the culture of Afcon. It there are they, they they always seem to have these these funny, um, slightly mad moments. Yeah, I think it's organised at the last minute. It's very it's very difficult to organise a tournament like this in the middle of of the European football season. It's not ideal, and this is the last one. So we're never going to have this issue again. They're always going to play them in the summer. I don't know how because it's boiling hot in sub-Saharan Africa. But um, yeah, it's been it's been fun to watch. It's been fun to watch loser playing he's clearly very respected in that camp he's given a lot of responsibility even though he's still quite young and uh yeah he's looking good and i'm looking forward to seeing seeing morocco go deep into the into the tournament hopefully jason you don't feel so bad that uh after today with the loser not being uh coming back no with with um kmb obviously putting in a great debut it is only one I say great a good debut it's only one game so there's a lot more for us to uh to get through a lot more games to get through with the guys out at, um, at the tournament, uh, and for and, and for our new players to to settle in. But I am generally a lot happier now than I was with a few minutes to go when St Maximin was being applauded off the pitch as the apparent match winner um, and being congratulated by Eddie Bloody Hell. So um, so generally, yes. <laughs> is that his actual name? Yeah. Oh, that is his name. <laughs> so generally, yes, I am I am happy. Thank you. Good. And, and you know, I don't think you're like me, Jace. We're, we're, you know, we're not over hyping up the the, the whole week in itself it, it, you know if we lost today and lost on Tuesday and we lost on Friday it isn't the end of our season that won't be until at least May what but let, let's do the cliche Jace one game at a time what's happening in the next game for you on Tuesday probably hopefully uh, against is Burnley. the game happening do we know it is at the moment Colin it is at the moment but imagine it, let's play let's play the game where a football match isn't cancelled for once what what do you think though about the, this this game? How how would you change things? Would you change things? Is there much you can change? I wouldn't want to change things. I think I'd like to keep things as they are. Maybe as Colin said, Kiko in for Ngakia. Although Ngakia, as I say, had a decent game other than the goal. Um, for me, this one was the toughest of the three. I thought this was going to be the most difficult. I think Burnley. Who knows where they are? They, they, them not playing games. I don't think is helping them at all because today they'll have seen Norwich win. Obviously, both ourselves and Newcastle have picked up a point apiece while they're sat inside watching all this happening. Not, not good for them at all. Will they want the game to go ahead on Tuesday if they're just coming back from COVID and without Maxwell Cornet as well? I think they still, they for them. I think they still need it to happen so that they can start to try and build something and build some momentum in a game that, again, they will see as an opportunity to pick up points. For us, I'm 
I'm getting splinters in my bum deciding as to whether I want it to happen on Tuesday <laughs> it or not. Like Jason, yes. on, the, on, the, on, the, on the positive side, Burnley, they're, they're not in a good place, are they? And this could, and especially after today, picking up a point late on like in the way that we did, that would have injected a whole amount of positivity into the side and will probably be a, to have the next game come so quickly is probably a good thing. To have all three games in a week, <laughs> these big games in a week and, and sort of... In six days at that, sort of the, the Saturday to Friday, so seven days, Saturday to Friday, puts a lot of strain on the squad. We, we've seen these new players come in and do well. We talked about Kamara. Was he feeling his hammy at the end, his first game for a couple of months at least? Will he be up to the rigours of, the, of, the, of playing three games in a week? Not having a game might help us. Ultimately, if it happens... Um, at the moment, I'm feeling positive. I'll be a bag of nerves come Tuesday evening, but at the moment, I'm feeling positive with the t- with the side we had out today. Maybe a change with with Kiko on the right, but let's yeah, let's go for it, guys. I think we've got a chance there. I think we've got a chance to pick up some points again with Burnley being in such a bad place. Yeah, they're, they're five games behind Man Manchester City and Manchester and uh, Chelsea, who uh, have both played twenty two. I mean, we we are we've played nineteen. We've still got three games to make up, including that game. But they they do need to get on and play some of these games of football that make up the make up the season. Uh, Colin, you going? Well, um, yes. <laughs> Excellent. On the coach again. The rule is that if you go to a game that's postponed, you absolutely have to 100% go to the rearranged fixture, I was told by my friends. So <laughs> I booked a ticket. Um, but I'll tell you one thing, John, I'm not getting on that coach at 11.30 in the morning unless I know for certain that game is being played. I'm not going to go there twice and not see a game of football. I'm actually quite excited about going. I think I, I do like an away trip. I like And I, I like the coach, uh, as I said on the podcast, it's so essential the, the club coaches, they've been going for probably 70-odd years now. I don't know when they were started, those team buses, you know, Sharabangs going all over the country and obviously we had the, the special trains and everything. You're a Watford fan for the whole day because you are surrounded by Watford fans all day. On the coach, breakfast before the coach, on the coach, at the, at the cricket club uh, next door to Turf Moor, at the game, back in the cricket club, back on the coach, all day long. You're just, you are nothing else but a Watford fan. So for that, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited that Wood isn't playing for them anymore. We haven't got a brilliant record against Burnley, I don't think. I mean, they've always bullied us and got late goals. And, you know, and I remember when I went there with Florence when Ziegler got sent off and we and we, we conceded within about a minute of him being sent off and couldn't quite get back in the game. I think Maps had a chance. So it would be nice to go there. No Cornet, no Wood. Those have been their two big threats, particularly Cornet. We'll definitely, be buoyed by this draw the, the the new lads will feel like okay so the Premier League is tough but I, I think I can cope with it even though I've never seen it or played in it before I think I've done okay the coach will be full of pumping them full of confidence I'd personally like to see cleverly start so in this game we started with more defensive players Kuchka and, and Gakia and brought on Kiko and Cleverly I'd like to see a start Kiko and Cleverly and really get at them like we did against Chelsea, like we did against Man United, and and get an advantage, take the wind out of their sails, not not be reactive, be proactive. And if Claudio Ranieri does really believe that his squad is is good enough, and he does have confidence in them, then he should he should push that confidence into the squad by picking an attacking side and saying, go out there and attack them. They're they're at a low point. They haven't got their best strikers. Let's go and let's destroy them and and win this game. And if, if it's 1-0 with 10 minutes to go, OK, I'll make some changes, bring some more players on, pack them in the middle of the field, whatever, that's fine. But I want to go out and be aggressive to begin with. Not 
go out and go, well, it's Burnley, it's going to be physical, let's, let's, let's sit tight, let's keep it contained, let's bring Kuchka back alongside Kiembe, let's, let's keep it narrow, let's not let them bully us, and then try and nick it later on. I don't, I don't really want to see that. If he believes in them that, as much as he says he is, then put them out there to win the game. Play cleverly, play Kiko, let's get at them, let's, let's uh, press them, let's be intense, let's score goals, because we know we can do that. Uh, and they haven't got a record of scoring many goals. Let's keep a clean sheet. Let's win the game and get on the bus and come home. Do that with an Italian accent, Colin. You're Claudio Ranieri, and we're winning that game of football. I like it. 40 like points, 40 points. Boys, boys, 40 <laughs> points. We just need a 40 points. <laughs> like Claudio's in the room. <laughs> Hardly. Thanks very much, Colin. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we'll be back with another podcast called Midweek, Midweek, hopefully after the Burnley game, if it does go ahead. Uh, of course, Adam will be here. Uh, thank you to everyone who got involved with the live live room podcast thing that we did uh, on Thursday evening. It was great having yeah, you. Yeah, I really enjoyed that, John. I, that was mm. it was excellent. Yeah, so we, we, we will be doing more of those uh, uh, via the Athletic app. Remember, if you are, if you, you everyone could have, could listen to that, but if you are a subscriber, you were able to get involved and, 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 and give your views uh, as part of the of the show as a caller as that we sort of called you even though it wasn't technically a telephone anyway uh yeah if you want to be part of one of those in the future you can you can do it by becoming a subscriber go to the theathletic.com forward slash rookery end uh, and you can sign up there with the current offer i think it's a third off at the moment there's always a special offer for you as a listener to from the rookery end uh the big story uh rich wfc you've been obsessed obsessed with this story about pap gay uh, someone who Watford uh, announced as signing for us uh, during that lockdown period, uh, <laughs> and he never turned up, uh, and he's playing at Marseille. But it looks like there's uh, been lots going on. Adam's been following it, but it all came to a head, I think, yesterday uh, with some some punishments for him and Marseille. But we'll get all that. That's what the Thursday podcast is all about. Adam is is in touch with all what's going on in that side of of Watford, uh, and you can get all that on a Thursday morning, unless, of course, we do a live programme on a Thursday evening. Uh, but that's our, our podcast that comes out. Uh, so please make sure you listen to that one, as well as, of course, this weekend podcast that we do. We talk about the game, and, of course, we talk about life as a fan of Watford Football Club. A draw is a draw. It's a step to a win. And a win, 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 and seven more. And we'll be fine. We'll be absolutely fine. Come on, you horns. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 